Welcome to Mytho Ladies, the podcast where we talk about women from mythology and folklore all over the world. We're your hosts. I'm Zoe. And I'm Lizzie. And how are you today, Zoe? I'm good. I am about to go on a little break, as in from school. I'm going to go home for a few days, which I'm really excited about because I haven't been home all semester. And it'll be a really nice break. And also, I gave a presentation in a class yesterday, and I realized that giving oral presentations has become a lot less difficult and daunting for me because of this podcast, because I basically, oh yeah, because I basically, for my presentation, did the same process that I do for when I'm making notes for the podcast, and I realized when I was practicing that, like, it's not really scary or difficult because I have done this so many times before and I know how to like Mm -hmm. speak from bullet points which is very cool and exciting yeah I also really hate doing presentations but like I feel like with middle ladies it's just like me talking to my friend Mm -hmm. so it's not too hard but it also like acclimates you to like present presenting and like making a presentation yeah and it also it helps that my professor that I was presenting in front of uh is super nice and loved me and was I knew it was going to be a super chill grader yeah um on the presentation so like I wasn't that stressed about it but still like getting things together and like practicing it was a big help to like get all that together that's awesome how are you Lizzie what's what's up with you I'm fine. I just had some friends visit from various countries, which was really fun. Um, On the topic of school, I, like, as you know, graduated recently, but I just got an email, like, last week being, like, your, like, school services, whatever, is about to expire. And I'm really sad about it because that's how I access academic articles for the podcast. So that's going to be rough when it expires. Oh, yeah. Oh, shoot. I hadn't even thought about that. Uh Uh-oh. I know. Huh. I got like an alumni thing, so I should, in theory, be able to access my school's library still. Uh huh. Yeah. yeah. Oof. I didn't think about academia that. is so yeah. expensive. Mm. Yeah. And I've also been to this um, used bookstore in Amsterdam now like twice and gotten a total of like five mythology folklore related books, which is really exciting for me. <laughs> yeah, that is awesome. Yeah. So that's a fun time. And um, yeah. Yeah. So who are we talking about in this episode? So today. Okay, so Lizzie, when this episode comes out, it will be December, I believe, right? Oh, it'll be near your birthday, won't it? It will be near my birthday, actually, Um, which means it's prime time for edgy podcasters to start talking about Krampus, which is the evil (laughs) Germanic spirit considered the dark side of Santa Claus. However, we will not be doing that. And you know why? Because Krampus is a guy and this is a podcast about women. Yes. We're not going to do that. So you know what we're going to be doing? We're going to be talking about Frau Perse, who oh. is the evil Germanic female spirit that's considered the dark side of Santa Claus. Okay. Instead. Awesome. Feminism. Exactly. <laughs> also, she's not necessarily fully evil, but like... Well, that's sort of the thesis as, of the yeah. podcast. Evil women usually that's aren't true. evil. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so that's who we're talking about today, is Frau Perse. Okay. So, Yeah. 
So, first we start off with a bit of etymology. So, her name may mean the bright one, which is derived from Old High Germanic berat or beret, which is sort of related to the English word, which means bright, ah, actually. Okay. Um, yeah, which is fun. And it's likely also related to Berchentag, which is the German word for the Feast of the Epiphany, which she is related to. And the Epiphany, for those who don't know, is the day 12 days after Christmas when the wise men appeared, visited Jesus, and brought him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. And that's basically what it's celebrating. And that's sort of considered like the end of the Christmas holidays. And it's also known as Twelfth Night. Oh, Um, like like the play. Yeah, which I like didn't realize was why it was called that until doing this research. So I don't question Shakespeare titles. No, I don't either. Um, Also, fun fact, in Germany, the person bringing the gifts is the baby Jesus and not Santa Claus, I believe, on Christmas. There's a lot of different gift bringer variations. Like in the Netherlands, it's, well, they do Sinterklaas, which is like Santa Claus, but it's not on Uh Christmas. It's on December. December 6th? 6th, yeah. Yeah, because that's St. Nicholas's Day, which is the saint, obviously, that Santa Claus is based on. So, yeah. Lots of holidays that people celebrate throughout December and early January. Very exciting. Mm-hmm. Going back, we have an alternate etymology for her. Um, some people also believe that her name could come from the old High Germanic verb pergen, which means hidden or covered. So that are that's the theories. And so she is, Frau Perta is a folk spirit slash goddess, mostly popular in southern Germany and Austria, and also a bit in Switzerland. She's basically alpine. Ah, okay. Is where she is most well known. And she is also known as Bertha or Bertha, which is why we have like the relationship to Bertentag and Berat and Beret and all that stuff, you know. And so she's. etymology. Yeah, super fun. Also, B and P related um, linguistically. Indeed, they are. She's often described as having one large foot, and it's often called a goose foot or a swan foot. And that was theorized by Jacob Grimm to be the foot that works the treadle of a spinning wheel. Like she has two feet, but one of them is weirdly big. Yes. Awesome. I love that. Um, You will find out she is related to spinning. She's associated with that. So she visits people's homes around Twelfth Night or January 6th. Again, the epiphany in Christianity. But she's also associated with Nights, which are the last three days before Christmas. And so traditionally, one should leave out a bowl of porridge for Frau Perte. That seems healthier than cookies. Yeah. I mean, also, if we're thinking of, like, medieval, like, pre... It would have been more cost-effective to leave out porridge. Yeah. (laughs) People don't have time or the ability to make cookies. Yeah. Her main purpose is to ensure that people are keeping their house in order and cleaned. And she's especially associated with spinning flax thread with the nickname... Spinstubenfrau, which means spinning room lady. Oh. So households were supposed to have all their flax spun into thread by Twelfth Night when Frau Perta would arrive. And also you weren't supposed to spin at certain times, such as at night or during the holidays, because that's like a holy time. You're not really supposed to be working. Mm-hmm. And so if their thread was not spun, she would fly into a rage and punish them, trampling the unspun fibers or even setting them on fire. Oh. That things could get worse. If you didn't spin the thread, and also your house is a mess in general, or you don't leave out porridge, she will perform the action from her other nickname, which is the belly slitter. Oh no. (laughs) Yeah. So what she will do 
is she will go into your bedroom, she will disembowel you, and she'll fill up your body with rocks and straw instead. And you die, I'm presuming. Yeah, I'm also presuming that. That's, yeah, it's not that sounds like it could be related to bad children getting coal. Yeah, that's a very good point, actually. Yeah, I hadn't even thought of that. People who misbehave get, like, rocks. Yeah, inside you. Yes, which sounds really horrible. No, yeah. Ouch. However, things aren't all bad. She will also reward those she sees working hard and looking after the household and farms. She'll often leave a silver coin and a shoe or a pail left out for her, which, for those who know, that is a very that is traditional for St. Nicholas Day when you leave out your shoe and yes. receive gifts of money or candy or something in your shoe. Mm-hmm. And aside from looking after household chores, Frau Perte is also associated with upholding other aspects of societal order and customs. And a huge one is honoring feasts and traditions and also days of fasting. But the, a big one is feasts in honor of herself. So she has a feast that consists of fish and gruel. And it's supposed to be eaten at night. Oh, okay. So if someone eats different foods or eats before her own feast, she will again slit your belly and stuff it up with rock and straw. Okay. Her two different moods will manifest themselves in her appearance. When she is rewarding people, she will appear as a beautiful young woman. And when she's coming to punish people, she appears as a haggard old woman, often with an iron-beaked nose and dressed in rags. An iron-beaked nose? Yeah, she has, like, a nose that's, like, tipped with iron. I do have to just, like, wonder about the Germanic associations of, like, evil old lady has a huge nose. Oh, 100%. You should absolutely wonder about that because that is 100% an anti-Semitic trope. So much, like, Germanic, like, old folklore. Like, some of it is outright anti-Semitic and some of it is, like, a bit more subtle. But uh, it's there. It's very present. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I mean, as we've talked about before, I think, like, the classic rendition of the witch with the long crooked nose is literally based on anti-Semitic caricatures. Yeah, a lot of people don't even realize that, like, really, really common, like, iconography and, like, tropes in folklore and whatever are, like, straight-up anti-Semitic caricatures, like a witch's hat and a lot of stuff has to do with vampires. yeah. Which we did talk about in our Vampiric Woman episode. Briefly. We want to do a full episode on the topic, but... Yeah, we do. Anyway. Yeah. So, a few other things associated with Frau Perta. She is said to have her own host of spirits and helpers, known as the Perten, which is basically like a plural of Perta. Yeah. And it's often said to be the spirits of unbaptized children, um, which, again, you can read into that of being an anti-Semitic concept because she has a bunch of children with her, basically. Are they unbaptized children children. who have died? Oh, yeah, they're dead. Dead children. So basically, they're children that died before they were able to be baptized. So they're, like, in hell. Got it. Um, There are two different types. Uh, There's Schönperten and Schiachperten, which means, basically, pretty Perten and ugly Perten. Awesome. Um, (laughs) Yeah. Um, and so during the 16th century, it was believed that the Schönperten would travel the earth during the 12 days of Christmas, giving gifts and wealth to those who were good that year, while the Schiachperten would wander the earth, stamping their hoofs, bearing their fangs, and brandishing whips to chase away evil spirits. That's crazy. I think it's and, simultaneously fun and also not fun how, like, so vivid, 
like these really common folklore themes are of like beauty equals good, ugly equals yeah. evil. Like it's <laughs> it's also interesting because in this part, it's like not necessarily bad because they're not hurting people. They're scaring away evil spirits. But also Frau Perta, when she's in her ugly oh, yeah. form, is the one slitting people's stomachs and killing people. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Do we know, like, how old this legend is? We're going to get into that a little Ooh, bit. okay. A little bit. Um, and also, so in order to scare away spirits themselves, men around this time would wear similar frightening masks with, like, fangs and horns, and they would brandish whips and stuff. Okay. Does that sound familiar to you at all? Fangs and horns? The devil? I mean, yeah. Yeah. So then we have the Wild Hunt. Have you heard of the Wild Hunt? No. Oh, the Wild Hunt. I love this story. It's so scary and so fun. <laughs> Basically, it's a folk myth all across all of like all of Europe, like central, northern, western Europe. Um, which is basically a ghostly hunt that travels across the sky at night. And so like a hunt is, you know, like a group of people who are hunting, they're on horses, they've got dogs and stuff and like bows and arrows and you know, and they just travel across the sky at night and you like see them. And if you see them or hear them, it often signifies um, you often see them during the winter and it often signifies bad weather or other ill omens. Oh, okay. and yeah, I don't know. I just love this story. It's like, That's can you imagine so seeing that? That would be terrifying. It would be terrifying. But oh, I love it. Anyways. And also it's they're like eventually become associated with like other like noble kings and stuff. Like eventually some people say Charlemagne is the leader or Barbarossa and eventually King Arthur is like this the spirit leading the wild hunt. And then it, I guess it takes on a more positive like characteristic. But at this point, it's like a scary thing. And in some stories, Frau Perta is the leader of the hunt. She flies above the rest of them and is screaming in the sky <laughs> um, and seeing it or hearing it. Bad sign. That's so girl You don't want to do, do that. Yeah. Um, but yeah. Ugh. I love this story. It's so scary. So, do you want to hear some short little vignette stories associated with Frau Perte? I would love to. Okay. So the first one is called Perte and the Prying Farmhand. Hmm. So we have, in the story, picture a farmer's wife and their workers preparing a fine room to welcome Frau Perte and Herr Perten to their house at Twelfth Night. A curious farmhand decides to climb into the stove to observe Frau Perta as she examines the room. However, being Frau Perta, she knows right away that he's there and tells one of her attendants, the Perten, to block the hole in the stove that he's using to observe her. The farmhand, seeing nothing, withdraws from the stove and realizes he's gone blind. Oh. Seeking advice from a hermit on what to do, he takes the same position in the stove a year later, and Frau Perta tells her attendant to unstop the hole. And when he withdraws, he realizes he can see again. Interesting. So the other story is another story. It's called Perkt and the Cottager. So one winter, we have a poor cottager who's going out in the night in search of a new godfather for the latest addition to his extensive family. So basically, his wife just had another baby and he already has a lot of kids, but he's like, I need another godfather for this child. And so that he if comes across... They, that if, if he dies, they all go to different people. <laughs> like all his yeah. children. It's also or sort like of like, you know, a benefactor. It's like someone who looks after the kids and, like, 
is invested in their health and like well-being. Fair enough. I don't actually have life. any godparents. Yeah, I mean, I don't think you're Christian. You're not Christian. No. So. Oh, is that a Christian thing? Oh yeah, it's a Christian thing. I didn't even know that. Anyway. It says God in the title. Anyway, I mean, okay, <laughs> fair enough. <Yeah. laughs> anyway, he came across Perta and her company of children, and seeing a child dressed only in rags, exclaimed, "Oh, you poor little Sodavashel," which means what? ragged little mite. <laughs> German is so fun. Yeah. Um, also, I think this is like an older Germanic thing because I don't understand how that works. But like, we're not going to worry about I it. I mean, I'm anyway. guessing it's like not modern German. Yeah. But f- and then Frau Perkta told him that since he had given her children a name or one of her children a name, he would be rewarded with a great fortune. With that, they vanished. And immediately afterwards, the man found a rich and generous sponsor for his new child and who would also provide for his family. And that's the end of the story. Oh, okay. Yeah, so, he got what he wanted. So Frau Perchte does help people. Yes. She was like yes. a bobby I mean, we talked about that earlier. We talked <sighs> about it earlier. Like, you know how she gives coins and stuff to people who are being good and hardworking. Yeah, but also it's like you have to behave in a certain way in order to get her favor. It's not yeah. just about whims. It's about, like, you have to behave in a certain way. Yeah. And so our final story is called Pecht and the Farmhand. This is a different farmhand. Different farmhand. Because it's not the he's not crying farm. Yeah. He's just a farmhand. Okay. So one night, Frau Perta was traveling with her company of children. However, the road was particularly bumpy, and the carriage they were traveling in lost a linchpin and could not continue. A farmhand happened upon the scene, and they asked him for help. He was able to secure the wheel with a new linchpin, which he carved from a piece of wood. Frau Perta told him to keep the shavings as a reward. He was a little confused, but frightened and did as he was told, pocketing the shavings of wood. When she disappeared, they turned to gold in his pocket. Oh, that's nice. Yeah. And so in all these stories, we see the essential concept of Frau Perta. She is rewarding those who do good and punishing those who do bad, basically. But also, we see a sort of more benevolent side to her in all these stories anyway, because even with the prying farmhand, like, he loses his sight for a year, but then he's learned his lesson, and she gives him a sight back, yeah, you know? Yeah, he's not con- condemned for the rest of his life. He yeah. has a chance to, like, be redeemed. Yeah. So, she has a lot of connections with other figures. So, Elard Hugo Meyer theorized that the stories of Frau Perkta likely originated from earlier Germanic goddesses, such as Frigga, the Norse goddess of the household, and Holda, a Germanic agricultural figure. So this can lead this leads to her association with flax spinning, a common household task, as well as her role of judging how well families have been looking after the houses, punishing those who are lazy and rewarding those who are hardworking. Which sounds like Frau Halle, who also comes from the Germanic goddess Holda. Yes. Interesting that you would think of that. Anyways, Jakob Grimm likewise theorized in his Deutsche Mythologie that Perta originated as a pre-Christian goddess citing the links between her name and the word Shining One as an indication of her holiness. There is evidence that before the 1400s, there were cults dedicated to her worship as a goddess. They would leave food and drink for her during the 12 days of Christmas. However, her worship was banned in the 1400s, probably due to the increased influence of Christianity. Some people believe that her negative depictions are a result of Christian efforts to malign her in order to prevent her worship. I believe Who's that. Who's to say? I it mean... could be right. 
I feel like that's a common theme in like Christianized places. I mean, we've definitely talked about this before. Yeah. So this, however, all of that is theory is controversial. Some people, particularly folklorist John B. Smith, uh, believe that she is not a pre-Christian figure, but rather came around with the introduction of the Epiphany and is basically the personification of the holiday of the Epiphany because her name is so similar to uh, the name for the Epiphany, Berchentag, or Berchta. Yeah, fair enough. She could be a folk figure that was not pre-Christian. Yeah, I mean, it's also important to point out that, like, especially with Jacob Grimm, he was really interested in making a specifically German mythology and specific German culture. And he was doing this during the 1800s, which is when Germany was going through the process of unification. And so, like, he has an agenda Mm -hmm. for claiming, like, this, you know, you know, primordial figure. That she's like a ancient ancestor of the Germans. Yeah, like that she's this ancestral goddess that Germans have been worshipping for a really long time. And this is a sign of like the deep, you know, cultural roots of the German people. Mm -hmm. Like it doesn't necessarily mean that he's wrong. Like it's possible that's the case. But we have to like note that he has a very distinct agenda for claiming this and for like writing specifically that this that she exists he has a very distinct nationalist purpose yes um which we've seen in other cultures as well like people yeah i mean this is also the kalevala is yeah basically a very similar motivation is that um finnish independence from russia there was that lithuanian goddess who somebody kind of made up but then it caught on yeah that caught on and she's really popular anyway so, Frau Perta is also associated with Frau Holle, oh. who we discussed in our old Crohn's episode. Amazing. So, in general, Frau Perta is considered to be a scarier version of Frau Holle, more R- commonly found in southern Germany, while Frau Holle is most associated with northern Germany. But they're both associated with the creation of snow. Ah. Fun fact. Yes, Frau Holle had her bed sheets that had feathers shaken out of it. Yeah. And then that was snow. Yeah. And Frau Perta is also considered to be someone who makes snow. Does she have a I don't method? know more details. Oh, okay. I don't think, I didn't, couldn't find it, but they were like, yeah, she makes snow. And I'm like, okay, cool. You know when you're a kid and people are like, rain is God's whatever, snow is... I remember my de- my parents, because I was really afraid of thunderstorms and still really don't like thunderstorms. They would be like, that's the sound of angels bowling. <laughs> bowling? <laughs> that's yeah. awesome did your parents make that up is that like a thing i don't know actually i think it's really but it, fun like, it worked to calm me down like i don't know if like i actually believed it or not but it like worked i was like okay the angels are bowling awesome <laughs> yeah. so fun yeah she is thought to be the precursor to the more popular nowadays story of krampus yes they are both associated with the same time of year the time period around the winter solstice um St. Nicholas Day is actually the more Krampus time. And Christmas, they're both associated with either violently punishing or rewarding good and bad behaviors. And they both have a dual nature. Fabherta has good and bad forms. And Krampus is considered like, you know, the dark side of Santa Claus, Mm -hmm. St. Nicholas. And the description of the Schiachperten is very similar to the description of Krampus, including the hoofs, horns, and whips. Ah, okay. Yeah. So... That is Frau Perte. Thoughts? Um, I think she's really fun. I think 
I like the for Hollocks Association. That's how I thought how I thought of like literally immediately because we just talked about her like mm-hmm. two episodes ago. It makes it to see the southern counterpart because they're really similar but like a little different. Mm-hmm. I I think it's fun. And we talked about this in um for the Higimara in the Yep, yep. And I think it's That's kind her. of fun because it's I can just imagine like mothers being like, if you don't clean then somebody's gonna come and kill you you know yeah i mean it's a great fear tactic if you know to tell sure, to tell yeah. children i would be scared and it goes with the I would whole also be scared. i mean it's the whole thing that like santa is about where like you I've, he knows what, everything that you do and if you're good he gives you presents and if you're bad he gives you coal but i feel like getting mm-hmm. coal is kind of a neutral like it's sad but it's not actually harmful whereas like Frau Perchte will straight up kill you. Yeah. It is interesting that, like, there's that level of violence to it. From the from stories like this and, like, the grim tales, makes me think that older, like, German society was, like, so scary for a child. No, I mean, there's literally, like, this book of German cautionary cha- tales for children that's literally, like, this child went for a walk and then, like, got murdered by this horrible monster so don't do that children (laughs) it's like what that's amazing yeah like it's terrifying um there was the one that was like uh i saw some like uh, i saw recently online that was like this child says that he won't eat soup and then he wastes away over the next few days wow like of starvation because he said he won't eat soup so eat your soup, children. And it's like, <laughs> I mean, when you're a kid, you don't know to like question it. You're like, oh my god, I gotta eat my soup. You're like, now. oh my gosh, I need to eat my soup or else I'll die. And that's, it's like, I don't know. Maybe we don't need to traumatize children that's to so messed get up. them to obey us. Like, but yeah, such a tense, moralistic society. I mean, like, I think that obviously a really important thing that we talk about is that we never are trying to make like a value judgment of like this is true yeah. or this is not true. But I do think, like, when we come up with these stories is, like, I think an interesting question is, like, you know, was this, like, a thing that was believed or is this a thing that was just said? Yeah. You know, like, did people really believe that Frau Perta was going to come and slit their bellies if they didn't spin all their their flax? Or was it just something that they, like, told, like, their children or daughters to, like, scare them into, like, doing their chores? Or... I mean, this is sort of, like, going into my analysis, but, like, is this something that is created to, like, enforce, you know, hard work and make sure you're doing the work that you need to do in order to sustain yourself and your family over the winter months? Like, is this, like, a legitimate, like, belief or is this just, like, you know, a representation of, like, the social norms and the social, like, expectations, you know? Yeah, like if they weren't being told that Frau Perta was going to kill them, maybe they would be tell- told that like a family member was going to hurt them if they didn't clean their room, you know? And it's kind of funner yeah. to have a um, witch or like a old lady figure than like being scared of people you live with. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe, yeah. I, I no mean, idea. again, I don't know. I have no idea. This is not actually in my notes. This is something I just came up with on the spot. <laughs> um, but I think it's interesting when we come up with like, these, these cautionary tales. Yeah, it's like, uh, where sort do of they type of, Yeah, it's like, you know, do we actually... I mean, parents, if you're listening with your children, you might want to cover their ears for the next session. <laughs> but, like, at some point, like, as a child, you do believe in Santa Claus. Yeah. But, like... 
Or like the Tooth Fairy. Or the Tooth Fairy, but like, at some point, you find out that's not a real thing. But then you, as a parent, make the conscious decision to continue that sort of lie and that cultural, like, thing and continue, like, enforcing that idea. Yeah, even and, though you know it's not true. Yeah, and I mean, like, I don't know. I feel like I'm I'm lost my thread a little here. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know, we have all these yeah. stories that we tell people for, like, enforcing certain behaviors, like, be good or else Santa Claus will give you coal. If you had good, kids, or would else... you enforce belief in Santa Claus? I don't think so, to be honest. Honestly, me too. I just don't want to lie to my kids. Yeah, also Santa Claus just seems like a lot of work. Like, my parents stay up so late on... My parents stay up so late on Christmas Eve. Honestly, Just to, same. like, put up presents, and it's like, why, why do that? Yeah. I don't know. And plus, you don't get credit for the amazing gifts that you give your children. Yeah. Like, I don't know. But also, it's like, even when they don't believe in Santa anymore, it's still fun to do these little rituals of, like, ooh, look what Santa left you. <laughs> no, that's true. Also, my parents have this ritual where, like, the elves leave us PJs. Aww. Where, like, we get new PJs every year, even though, like, I don't need more PJs. But it's fun. Some... Little ritual. But it's fun. And, like, my parents will be like, oh, check <laughs> the stairs. There's something there. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, more PJs. Where did these come from? Uh <laughs> But, yeah. yeah like sometimes it's about the ritual and not yeah like real belief mm -hmm. you never know yeah so yeah as i sort of implied i think that frau perta's basic role is that of enforcing you know certain cultural and social expectations and not necessarily in a bad way because a lot of the things that she does is basically saying are you doing the job work that you need to do in order to provide for yourself and your community during winter, which is like the hardest time of the year, mm -hmm. especially like if we're thinking of these, you know, middle ages uh, era when like you don't have electricity, you don't have heat. You don't have the life purpose outside of like whatever your role is. Yeah, like you, you, you need you really need to work hard in order to make sure that people are surviving and like your house is warm and there's food. There's not a lot of space to, like, close. just slack off. Yeah. yeah, and so basically, I think it sort of works that her function is to sort of punish people who are not, you know, keeping up their end of what they need to do in order to take care of their family and their community as a whole. And I think that, like, you know, maybe punishment isn't, like, the best solution in the world, but I understand, like, the, the idea behind it. Like, if you're not doing, if you're not providing, if you're not helping people, if you're not doing your job in order to make sure that everyone survives, like, that's not good, you know? Mm -hmm. And that's sort of, like, at the root of the Farohala story as well, of, like, don't be lazy or yeah. you will be punished. And, like, if you're good, mm -hmm. then that could be rewarded because that's, like, a good good behavior, good traits. And you yeah. might get a shower of gold and you're super yeah. rich. And then it also, and I mean, it's also, like, if you do hard work, you're going to be more successful. Because if your family has food, if your family has firewood, you're going to be better off. That's then. true. Like, you're going to, maybe you won't have, like, little silver coins in your shoe, but you're going to hopefully still be alive. Mm -hmm. Which is better than not being alive. Wow, you know? so true. So true. <laughs> um. And also, I think it makes a lot of sense to me then that she is depicted as an old woman, because older women were often the heads of the family, especially in pre-Christian times and oversaw the workings of the household. 
And so the idea of her basically being like the old woman who comes into the house and punishes people who are violating like the cultural taboos or failing to do their fair share of work makes a lot of sense. It's basically like a mythological version of a mother coming to scold and punish neglectful children. Yeah. And I mean, women were obviously associated with housework, so of course it was going to yeah. be like a woman. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, it's sort of like what we talked about in our Old Crohn's episode of like being the cultural representation of people's issues with their mothers. Yeah. Of like, exactly. oh, this big scary old woman is going to come and slit open my belly if I don't do this properly, you know? Mm-hmm. And then it makes sense that she has a lot of unbaptized children as her attendants, because then she's sort of like a demonic mother to lost souls, which fits again with the image of a powerful matriarch. Mm-hmm. But I feel like the image of her, like a little like mother figure to all these lost souls is kind of nice. Yeah. Maybe they're like her I, child army, but still. Yeah. I mean, I think she t- seems like she takes care of them. I don't know. I mean, the fact that somebody's like, looking out for them. them. Yeah. I, mean, I don't see why yeah. being unbaptized is the worst thing in the world, but... Anyway. Yeah, I mean, this is, again, from a Christian society. Yeah. And so, also, finally, in case you were wondering why, why the belly slitting? Why? I found some analysis about that. Ooh, okay. So, in particular, it um, represents her role as one who oversees cultural and religious feasts and fasting. Oh, okay. So, for example... Appetite. Yeah, so it's said that her knife could be deflected on a feast day by a significantly rounded belly, but if she came across an empty belly, she would fly into a rage and stuff their bellies full herself. That makes sense. And so, and similarly, if she came across a full belly on a day when you were meant to be fasting, she would probably punish you in a similar way. So then she is not only supposed to encourage a solid work ethic, but also to make sure that religious days of rest and celebration are enforced as well. So basically, she sort of controls, like, or she sort of oversees basically every aspect of people's lives. She oversees work. She oversees religious holidays and days of rest and fasting. And yeah, so she is quite a powerful figure. It's kind of nice. I see her, like, association with the winter. I think it makes a lot of sense because food is more scarce. Mm -hmm. It's, like, a generally more difficult time. Yeah. But I'm guessing she's present throughout the year. Right. Too. Yeah, I think that her biggest time period is around like December and January. And if we're looking at like pre-Christian time, I'm guessing she's associated with like the solstice. And that's where like that's coming from simply because, you know, it's the darkest time of the year. And that's like this kind of the scariest time because. But what about the household you- upkeep? Is that not year round? I guess it is year round, but I think it's sort of like also, you know. This is, like, the time when it's the most important is in the winter. Yeah, I mean... Like, if you're not... You really can't slack off during the winter. That's true, yeah. Which also corresponds to, like, Santa. Because people get more vigilant of being like, okay, you better be nice around Christmas time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think that, like... I mean, you probably can't really slack off too much through the rest of the months, but the winter is, like, really, it's, like, do or die. Yeah, definitely. Like if you don't put if you don't get the firewood, your family will freeze to death, you know. If you don't have enough food stores, you will starve. Yeah. You know, it just kind of is how it is, you know. Mhm. So yeah. Um that's my this is our Christmas episode. <laughs> and Zoe's Happy. birthday episode. It is my birthday episode. Happy birthday to me. I'm 21. Yay. Almost. Um and yeah. You should get some uh, blue vine. Actually, do they sell that in America? I have no idea. 
probably, I mean, I probably they regular do. Regular vine and regular True. wine. And, regular vine. <laughs> and make it into glue. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, yeah. So have a good holidays, everyone. Um, Hanukkah's already over at this point. Uh, but, yeah. Um, I hope everyone had a good Hanukkah and people have a good relaxing break if they have a break and have a good Christmas if they celebrate good Kwanzaa and yeah have a good new year although we're getting to the new year we'll have an episode yeah we're gonna have another episode yeah we don't need to cover all the bases yet. yeah (laughs) happy Valentine's Day I don't know what other um St. Patrick's Day so true (laughs) all right Um, okay that's enough (laughs) Okay, thank you for listening. Please feel free to subscribe to other episodes. And we also have a Ko-fi if you want to do a monthly or a one-time donation. We would appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Bye. May the Ladies Podcast is produced, researched, and presented by Elizabeth LaCroix and Zoe Kenniger. You can find us on Instagram and Twitter at MidtheLadies and visit us on our website at MidtheLadies.com. Our cover art is by Helena Cayo. Our music was written and performed by Icarus Tyree. Thanks for listening. See you in two weeks.